Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who started a new Baldur's Gate 3 run, but I'm role-playing it out with a group of three other friends as a Mass Effect run. We have Morinth, the Drow Sorcerer, Conrad Werner, the Human Bard, Nihilus, the Dragonborn Fighter, and Chakwas, the Human Cleric. It's amazing. I love it. Aren't you going to miss, like, playing with the companions in the game, though? Yeah, but I think it's more the fun, like, this is all, like, we've, the people who are all playing have all done multiple runs, so it's kind of just a, let's see how much shenaniganery we can get up to in one run. That's fair, I guess. Uh, we had really different weeks. <laughs> I'm Vervada, the girl who like questions my sexuality even more now that I've watched Blue Eye Samurai. Because <laughs> oh my god, something LGBT has happened to me. <laughs> you guys need to watch that show if you haven't. Please, please renew it for season two. Netflix. Welcome, welcome to the family. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm. My sister and I joke that we're like the gayest straight people. I don't even know if I qualify as straight because I think demisexual doesn't. Whatever. I don't care. I am what I am. Um, who do you think I'm playing out of those four people? Uh, wait, okay, so it was Chakwas. It was... Uh, Morinth, name? Conrad, Nihilus, and Chakwas. You're playing Morinth. Nope. Nihilus? Nope. Wow, shit. I'm bad at this. <laughs> You're not Chakwas, are you? Nope. Wow, okay. <laughs> failed that one. <laughs> you totally failed. I was like, I want to play a bard. And then it came up like the only person who tells stories and weaves tales about people in it is Conrad. And so I was like, I'll play as Conrad Werner. I can't believe you're playing as Conrad Werner. But that makes sense that he'd be a bard. I love being a bard. It's going to be fun. All right, before we tangent Which, too much wait, further. Wait, one what? more tangent. Okay. What instrument does Connor, or Conrad, sorry, play? Um, I started with the violin because I just fell in love with it really quick. Did you know that when you're selecting the bard, if you select through all the different um, 
instruments it plays down by the river in that mm-hmm. instrument so that way you can listen to it so fun yeah so yeah um okay right but before we tangent even further let's open up the room hello patrons daddy bat night or is it now db night hello there and i'll answer to either one all right and muffiny cake hi hi aka twin to v yes and did you text Eileen for me last week uh, about how her bullshit needs to be called out for pushing my episode back to the very end of the year? Yeah, I think we did call her out on that. I think she actually felt bad about it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I hope she did. I'm just kidding. She better. Oh, I love you, Eileen. <laughs> We've had so many stories in between then and now that it kind of blends together. But she's, she's had an interesting week, too. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Her snake might might be a her, her snake actually might be Wait, a man. You're in the chat. My beautiful <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Hi Eileen. Yay. Eileen backwards. <laughs> well, we'll have words at the end of the year. But they will be fun words about Iron Bull. But tonight, we will be having probably not so fun words about our patron topic for the night, which is sexy versus toxic. Where is the line? Avi, this came out of your brain. What were you thinking? Okay. Um, I have so many thoughts on this, but um, what I was thinking of was... When you're telling a story, I mean, like, we don't have to necessarily stick with video game romance in this. We can just talk about romance stories in general. But I was thinking of, like, what makes something sexy versus toxic? Like, some toxicity we have tolerance for in our romance stories. For instance, in romance novels, there's, like, a ton of problematic tropes, specifically when there is a female main character A lot of the times there's usually like a reverse harem, as they call it. And like their enemies to lovers sometimes push the boundary a little too far in these romance novels. And like they literally have the woman like beaten and in chains and like horrible things happen to her. And then she eventually falls in love. And and I people eat that shit up. And I would say, hey, that's pretty toxic. (laughs) Like, I don't know if we really want that in a story. So I guess that there is a very fine line between what can be sexy and what can be toxic, especially because all of this is art. And it's up to the viewer, reader, player, whatever, to decide for themselves to a point, though, because there are things that are just definitively bad. I guess for me, like one of the things that I really liked that challenged this for me was Astarian's two endings in mm. Baldur's Gate 3, Ascended versus Unascended. One of them is undoubtedly toxic, and yet people love it. So it's like, what amount of toxicity do we tolerate personally? What do we prefer to see? Would we rather see more healthy relationships? Do we have any examples? Just things like that. That's what I was thinking of. Okay. Bat night, muffin. Do Go ahead and unmute. You guys can... It's just, just the four of us tonight. Do either of you have any instant thoughts about that? You want to go bat night? ladies first okay um yeah so instantly it's not a video game but i think we've all seen this movie the notebook classically hailed as like a beautiful romance story however 
this man, he climbed a Ferris wheel and literally she was on a date with another man and he said he would kill himself if she said she wouldn't go out with him and everybody swooned but why that's actually insane that's actually so insane not only that but they fought a lot and that's also kind of not a super good sign of a healthy relationship so I feel like that entire movie represents a lot of toxic Hollywood romance tropes that honestly there there are some video games I can probably think of that have a lot of that in there too but that was the first thought that came into my head was that movie none of that was sexy it was all toxic in my opinion well my brain instantly went to you said you know and everybody swooned i don't know why i went i know exactly why because it was ryan gosling yeah it it could be it could be anybody to me i guess that's the thing about toxic versus sexy is a lot of that's culturally like what we as a culture decide is okay and a lot of times hot people get away with stuff that, you know, culturally hot people. Cause I mean, maybe Ryan Gosling caught everywhere. I don't know. I'm not sure, but let's just say that's in America that everybody, even men like love him. So apparently it's okay. If he decides to climb a Ferris wheel and threaten suicide for a date. I mean, I have a running gag in my own conversations with coworkers and whatnot. I refer to the power of pretty because Anything, you know, any 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 adventure you attempt to do tends to go a little smoother if you're pretty. With the possible exception of like, I guess, a law degree, but you know. Uh but then again, Elle Woods, so um Yeah. Also called pretty privilege. Yeah. What? Like it's hard. <laughs> I'm sorry? I said what? Like it's hard? You said El Woods. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Could couldn't stop it. <laughs> I didn't catch a what? movie reference. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> like getting into yeah. Harvard is hard or something. <laughs> um, when you talked about the notebook, because my my thought was like, I'm per- forever baffled why people will like something so staunchly that is so adamant in its shittiness. You know, like for the notebook, I think people confuse the uh, confuse like true passion with fighting just because they're yelling at each other and then having sex does not mean that they have a whirlwind romance, you know, but mm-hmm. that's like a cheating way to create friction and then resolve it fakely using sex. When in the real world does that work long term? Like they're shown to have this very long term relationship to the point where he's now reading her diary or his own diary. I can't remember. I think it's hers to her when she has Alzheimer's in a nursing home. And that's like how she remembers him. It's hard for me to see that and be like, why do people want to emulate this? Because another one that flew into my head is Twilight, obviously. Yeah. People are rabid about Twilight and talking. It's a big one. Toxic. Yeah, it's super toxic. And there's nothing sexy about it. Because like, I don't know, maybe that's my personality coming into play. Being as a self-identified demisexual, like I I cannot physically see any kind of attraction in them because of their personalities, because of the way they're treating Bella. And also the way Bella's allowing herself to be treated and putting herself like she's just so she weakens herself so much. It's the whole thing's gross. That also brings up the very toxic yet, for some reason, very much heralded as like sexy, or at least maybe 
back in the day, not so much now, but the infantilized woman. So like Edward's way older than her, obviously he's into teens and he's been 17 for a very long time. It's that. And it's also like, I see this a lot. I remember in Star Trek growing up watching original Star Trek, um, Captain Kirk would often get with like the green babes, green alien babes, but they would be like, not super familiar with the customs of the people from earth and that their culture or language barrier infantilizes them. And that was like a huge trope also, just like men seeing this like poor, helpless woman that is needs to be completely dependent on them. So that's a big one also. Yeah. But then there's also, that's the, um, what is that book trope that I see a lot on the internet where, Oh no, there's only one bed or like, enemies to lovers oh, yeah. type tavern <laughs> that's that's on the line sometimes enemies to lovers it can definitely be on the line enemies yeah. to lovers is on the line and then like the the forced um proximity one mm-hmm. yeah Where, that's what i couldn't remember i was just like oh no there's only one that's usually how castle. they go from enemies <laughs> to lovers is the forced yeah. proximity like that's the number one indicator for attraction period is how how often do you hang out with them and see them probably gonna get hmm? oh yeah the beast (laughs) yeah well i I guess that that's my real question that i think about i don't know if there's a right answer all of the time i think that it bleeds into one another our stories are sexy and toxic sometimes but they are fiction i think the problem lies in like how much responsibility does art have in its message that because i mean even though everyone's responsible for their own interpretation of the art there is always themes especially in narrative works that are just there and there isn't another interpretation it's just that is what the story is about you know otherwise we we wouldn't know what any story is about because we all would just make up what it means to ourselves especially with video game romances because we have like jen and i have both talked to people and read research lots of research on how important video game research is to people's sexual identity awakenings, like informing their own idea of their self and what they find attractive. And it's also modeling relationships to them, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it, it might, that's why I think it's, it's so difficult to have something. And I can't think of a, a video game romance that is entirely bad, but it's I also can. like, Oh, you can. I bet I bet I'll agree the second you say it. But it's like, you know, at what point, where does the line go from like artists to the viewer? And I don't know. It's just so difficult. I'm not even sure if I'm getting my point across, but it's like there's it's I think about this all the time lately because of Baldur's Gate, because I see people defending certain choices in this game as good and like, oh, there's no bad way to play it, but there really is. It's just you you can role play and be like, I want to be the bad person in this playthrough. But like these people do these weird, like cognitive dissonance exercises trying to justify their choice when it's like, no, it's tell the narrative's telling you it's bad. So it's not it's toxic, you know? But it yeah. also is sexy. So the relationship that I think is totally toxic and should not happen unless you're doing it just for the save scum because you want to experience it is Jack and Shepard. Specifically in the Renafuck, where you do the renegade option of, yeah, dude, let's go. You 
the scene itself is sexy. It was a good sex scene for me. But then everything completely shuts down. She shuts down. Her walls are most likely now permanently up. And, you know, there's no character growth and development. It's sexy, but extremely toxic and is the wrong choice. I also loved all of your faces when I said Jack and Shepard. You guys are like, what? (laughs) Oh, no, I knew immediately you were talking about Renegade one. Well, the timing for you saying that, with me in particular, was funny, but I'll get to that later. When we're doing shout outs and whatnot, the timing is really funny. There's actually a really similar situation you can get into with Astaria in, in Baldur's Gate 3 in Act 2, which, spoiler alert, everybody, if we didn't play it already, you can, when he confesses to you that he's not sure if he ever wants to have sex again, and at this moment in time, he is not comfortable with it, you can manipulate him into having sex anyway, like mm-hmm. pressure him, and he will. But then in the middle of the night, he will wake up and he'll break up with you. And tell you, like, he'll be like, you know what? Actually, you suck. And I am not okay with this. And I love that he stood up for himself. But it's like, so that was really refreshing to see. I did not pressure him. I had to watch that video on YouTube. But it's like, that right there, that is the whole thing that's not that specific example, but Starian specifically, like, doing that to him and then ascending him and everyone frothing at the mouth, throwing their necks at him first for his ascended self because of his, like, dom behavior and like i'm sure the sex scene is animated great i'm sure it's super super hot but it's extremely toxic and people like justify it but it's like at the end of the day you guys messed up you made him into a monster that he was trying to avoid and he doesn't love you anymore and now your relationship is super super fucked so good job for that and narratively that is bad that's a bad decision and the writers even said they want you to feel bad about it. So I'm thinking like this, that's the line I guess I'm thinking of is really determined by the player of what's sexy and what's toxic because you can in games push it into toxic territory for your own self-gratification, especially with games like this that have scenes to watch. Mm-hmm. It's like you literally just screwed his narrative development, totally did not give a shit about his personality for the sake of you getting a hot sex scene which you get a very beautiful one if you don't ascend him so personally i think you win both times you don't ascend him and you get a gorgeous sex scene it's interesting that i mean i'm i'm glad they have the choice in that game to do that and in other games like with jack but they punish you for it that's the point is like that is toxic the game's telling you it is you cannot romance jack after that point so clearly that was you can't even talk to her she tells you to fuck off you can't talk to her anymore are people out there genuinely thinking like worth it it's a fake character whatever i could see that if your main intention wasn't to romance jack and you were just there for the lay hot girl want to bang when really i'm yeah. going for miranda yeah i personally think jack's hotter than me three <laughs> than miranda yeah because she's you know she stepped into her own power more too like Mm -hmm. more comfortable with her own mind and everything again more healed but i guess vega too could be you know because he's super flirty and everything but that that scene like i didn't personally do it but i watched it on youtube and after you guys did the episode and honestly like that scene was like really disturbing (laughs) like he was definitely like sexually assaulted and 
he was not comfortable with it. The only thing he was comfortable with was just the light flirting and the, you know, nicknames and that was it. And mm-hmm. he, she, female shepherd kind of stepped out of, you know, female shepherd's character in general. And felt very, it felt very out of pocket. Honestly, it was very foreign, like, especially for my femme shep because she was a paragon, but she would never do that. I don't know who's, who's femme shep out there would do that, but it just felt very icky, not sexy mm-hmm. at all. It, but I was like, somebody, somebody wrote this and it, it felt like their intention was for it to be like, Ooh, role reversal, like super sexy, but it was just icky. It's, thing, it's like narratively it punishes you for that one too because you don't get to romance vague after that and he like distinctly True. tells you in the morning like actually this was a mistake you know and yeah. i just at what point do we just have media illiteracy where you can't understand the message being like billboarded in front of you by the game being like you messed up look what you've done because you wanted to bang a hot guy. Like it's, it's a weird commentary. Cause it's like, on one hand, I, I don't play like this. I'm maybe there are people out there who do. And if you do feel free to write what you think about this. Cause like, I can't get into the headspace of just being like, Hey, no consequences. All these people are fake. I'm just going to do whatever. Like, I don't do that at all. Like I look at them as real people and I'm like, I can't, I can't hurt Vega like that. I don't like them like that anyway. Cause Garris exists, but you know, if you didn't, I was still like, that would hurt. that would be horrible to hear that. I would immediately reload. But speaking of Garrus also, like, just for a moment, because I know we're all mega Garrus lovers here, but for a moment, just humor me, if Garrus was a human, when you first meet him and he's super vigilante, would, wouldn't he be a little less attractive and it would be more like into maybe he would have a Punisher tattoo in real life kind of, you know what I mean? Imagine if he was a human, <laughs> like it would, it would be less, I think because he's not human that it worked for him. And obviously he kind of, he gets better and comes out of his shell and little his less focused on the vigilante stuff. Yeah, exactly. His carapace. <laughs> but I'm thinking if he was a human, it probably wouldn't have played that well. I think for me personally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have liked him as much as I obviously do. So I did forever. a, I did a bro run where obviously Garrus is not a romance option. And so I was like, this is my opportunity to make Garrus his ultimate renegade. And so I did all of the wrong choices for him. I let him kill Dr. Salian. I let him snipe. Uh, what's what's his face? The dude in ME2. I let him kill him. I let him stomp or I let him shoot Harkin. I did all of the bad things that makes Garrus like really go into that dark headspace and stay there. And then by the end of the game, I was just like, yeah, you're not my Garrus. I I don't I don't like this guy as much. He didn't even feel like my bro's best friend, which normally by the end of the game, we totally are. It's just, yeah. Ah. Also, I need to call out what Just for the Halibut said in chat, um, going off of the conversation that we were having earlier. Empowerment isn't women turning the same shitty behavior towards men. And yes, that is the level of feminism that I am in love with. Um, It is not about like, oh, women need to rise by smashing down the men. No, we just all need to be at the same level of equality. That's 
That's what I believe in. And so seeing that in chat is amazing. And yeah, I don't like it when the like, well, okay. I can't say I don't like reverse harem because it's definitely one of the things I love to read, um, <laughs> but only when it's done well and done right. Okay. Um, to me, it really has to be about women having their own power and owning the, their own power, but not having stolen it from someone else or, you know, having some unequal power balance with the men around them um, or the other women around them either. So equality. I think that's the thing. It's like, we can't say like this trope is bad. This trope is good. This storytelling device is bad, et cetera. Like it really depends on how it's framed. You can have things told in two different ways, basically the same story otherwise. And it mean vastly different things just from context and the tone all those sorts of things. So it's like, there are ways to tell the story that make it work and make it not toxic, but make it sexy. Or you could make it really toxic. Like, it really just depends on how it's framed, which is why it's like, games, it's interesting because a lot of the negative plot points aren't necessarily framed negatively. It's kind of neutral because you're the player, you're the center of the universe. So it's like, even though it's a mistake to renegade sleep with Jack and she'll tell you it's a mistake, you're fine. Like, you're just like, whatever. Okay, my, my, the rest of my game really isn't affected. So it's not negative. It's just the thing that happened. But that's when it comes, that's when you really need to start using your like critical thinking skills <laughs> and just see what the characters are saying. Like, it's, it's not enough to just be like, well, I can still defeat the Reapers or I can still defeat the Collectors, I guess, in Mass Effect 2. So I guess it really wasn't that bad. It's like, well, that's why you then think of these characters as people instead. But in like, it happens a lot in books and TV shows where it's like, it can be framed one way and it's fine. Like, okay, I don't know if this is going to be a hot take, but... Everyone, for, for, for instance, like with Twilight, like that was everyone's favorite vampire thing when we were teenagers. But my favorite vampire thing, same with my sister, which happened around the same time that Twilight movie started coming out, was True Blood. And it's like, on the surface, you have these two similar stories in one way, because it's like, you have Bella is special because Ed, Edward can't hear her thoughts and he's a vampire and she's not. Then we have True Blood where Sookie thinks Bill's special because she can't hear his thoughts. I don't know why mind reading's always involved with vampires too. <laughs> but like, and the difference is Bella is on this like pedestal. Like he's the predator. He has all the power. He can read thoughts normally. She's just a normal ass human who gets sucked into this whole thing and ends up, you know, pregnant and married and dead by 18 undead i guess but like sookie not that at all she's a full-grown adult she has her own house she does have powers in her own abilities that are apart from the vampires she also has power over the vampires because she can just rescind the invitation into her house whereas edward freaking sneaks into bella's room every night through her junior and senior year or whatever how i don't remember whatever high school remember she's a child actually an actual child so 
it's like a completely different power dynamic even though the relationship on the surface is very similar because it's framed differently so i like true blood better everyone should watch true blood he was in her early 20s still living at her grandmother's house when the show started she has her own house after her grandmother dies yeah i know but it's not i think it's really sweet that she lives with her grandma first of all it's there's nothing wrong with living with her grandma like she has a full-time job she's got her own money her grandma is not like the authority figure over her they're much more like friends because Suki is a grown-ass adult mm-hmm. like she can do whatever she wants and she makes a conscious choice to go to bill and like have sex with him whereas Bella's kind of coerced into it i don't know the sorry my broke. my tangent was like is jason older than Suki? jason yeah he's the older brother okay he's the older brother okay yeah, no, um, I'm not saying True Blood is perfect because it's definitely not. Oh, yeah. But um, like like Jason and um, that girl who got him addicted to V, the, the vampire blood. I can't remember her name. Huge toxic relationship. Horrible. Like, right. But if they did not frame it's not it exactly as a good, a good relationship. relationship. Now that he's with, with the wear panther. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm at. <laughs> it gets it gets wild um no but the thing is like that's the difference it's like that bad relationship they frame it as bad like jason usually gets into bad relationships but it's never painted as like this ideal this beautiful passionate thing that you should end up with them and oh despite all their problems they still lived happily ever after yeah because he killed her and knocked her up bella so but like suki at the end I like she don't spoil the ending for him. He's currently watching okay. True Blood. Sorry. Anyway, you'll see. It's good. I like Hoyt and Jessica. Yeah. Yeah, they start off real cute. cute. I love them. Oh, don't don't tell the me. The way that. you just said that. Oh, yeah. Sorry, no. I think they're really cute. I really liked their relationship. <laughs> I heard what you said. They started really cute. <laughs> no, but they did. I I mean, I'm Wait, not his, anything. Uh, I don't, now I need to remember his bad things happened to jessica yet by season three i don't remember no because all that ha- well, all that happened so far where i'm at is uh uh hoyt let his mom get in his ear so mm. oh the red heels line she i remember up, that. she ends up flirting with uh uh dude man's brother the <laughs> shapeshifter his name is escaping me at the moment Sam uh, or Alcide? Sam, yeah, Sam Merlot. I, 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 uh, anyway, Sam's brother ends up flirting with Jessica for a little bit, while Hoyt ends up dating Bernadette from The Big Bang Theory, and uh, then he. By the end of the, I just finished that season, and so at the end of it, Hoyt is decided uh, he and Jessica are going to move in together. I think he even proposed. And uh, yeah, which is funny to me because that season started with uh, Bill proposing to Suki, and then by the end of it, she rescinds all the invitations and tells everybody to f off, and she doesn't want anything to do with any of them. And yeah, so far, my favorite character in this movie in this show is uh, the the werewolf guy. Uh, Alcide. Yeah, him. So far, he's my favorite character. But as far as favorite couple, it's uh, Jessica and Hoyt. Yeah, okay. true both great. There's a plethora of hot people in good relationships and bad relationships. But like I said, if that's the main difference for me is when, well, that's just about the narrative. Like I said, I'm really thinking more of like the in, the person participating or viewing or reading the media or art or whatever. There is art, though, that does put out a message 
like Twilight where it's like, okay, this is mostly shitty of a relationship. Like I wouldn't want this in real life. You can still get ad- entertainment value from it. I would not take relationship advice from Stephanie Myers, but maybe you can be entertained by that. That's fine. Yeah. But it's it really there's the story framing it, and then there is how you can interpret it to a point. Once again, like I said, narrative things especially, there are themes, there are tropes, there are ways to analyze it. We do it every week with the characters. There's just simple truths about some of them that you should accept. You a star in romance if people just stop ascending like you, him. Ah, <laughs> you all right. Really love Stephanie Meyer's four book abstinence lecture. <sighs> no, I read. I read. Mm. Um, what was that book? She wrote about like the people the with the eyes. The host. The host. That actually wasn't half bad. No, I that liked that one. one. Yeah. Um, all right. Before I go off on a tangent about the things that I actually do enjoy about Twilight, uh, I think this is a good spot for us to take our mid-break where we will listen to sponsors of the show, thank our patrons, and, well, not share any fun facts. Unless maybe I decide to say why I still like Twilight a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now, open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Mid-break dance. I don't know what we're dancing to tonight other than like chaotically raving. I feel like that's what this episode has been. Okay. Chaotic rave. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think we got the one dance move, so. Uh. Yeah, dancing. Um, Okay, so we do have a new review to read out, but I'm going to hold it for next week. uh, Just so that way the person who left it can hear it because not everybody listens to patron chats. And so I want it to be heard on the main feed. So also, I want to say thank you for getting us to 159 uh ratings on spotify we are so close so close i can feel it don't stop keep giving them keep giving those ratings <laughs> i just see daddy bat and i like holding the comment in praising i'll do it for you <clears throat> huge shout out to our newest patron just for the halibut who is also here with us here tonight in the Twitch chat. Thank you so much for showing up here tonight and for becoming our newest patron. And of course, we shout out all of our lovely, lovely patrons in the middle of the show. So all my love and huge hearts, major thank you to Toasty and Apollo, Becky and Daddy Bat Knight, Mystheos and Muffiny Cake, Mackenzie and Wynn, Yay! Yes, thank you. Repeating my message of we would love to see your faces or avatars or whatever on our patron chat. So it'd be super fun. We want to hear you talk. Yes. I mean, especially if you pay for the privilege, you might as well. If, right. if a Friday ever works out for you. Uh, for sure. 
We love having people here. It's the whole point of the patron chat. It's to get your voices and your ideas on the topics heard. And if you can't support us at that level, we totally get it. You can also join our Patreon for only a dollar a month, which ends up being a quarter per episode. Like, come on now. That's totally worth it. And you also get to vote on the topics that we talk about at the end of the month. I think that that part of it is really cool. And so it means that you get at least a say in what we say at the end of the month. So, oh, and again, the reminder that you can't search for us. You have to type out the full worded link of patreon.com slash T-W-O-G-I-R-L-S-O-N-E-S-H-I-P. Two girls, one ship. Type it all out. It's the only way to find us because we create adult content. All right. Do you want to get back into it? I have no idea how I'm going to flip this question. I don't think that we can really flip this topic on its head. Uh, Where is the line of sexy versus toxic? I can't flip this one. So let's go with something else. Yeah, I didn't really have an answer for the question anyway. I don't know if y'all have noticed. I've been You've been pretty quiet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think you yours was... Well, I mean, Bat Knight came up with one of the biggest ones that we've ever really covered on this show. And that was uh, Harley Quinn and Joker. Like, that is not a sexy relationship. It can be in some of their flirtatious moments and things like that. And in some iterations where especially when it's really ge- when the cartoon series is really geared towards kids, it can be a fun and flirty type. But then it easily crosses over into toxic. Yeah, but Batman, the animated series was uh, addressed to kids. And in that one, he shoved her out of a window. <laughs> right. But it's not like that 24-7 in some of the other more adult rated Joker Quinn content that we have. Yeah, I, I didn't have an answer. I mean, the closest I came up with is something I discussed in chat, but I've, I've beat that horse to death. So, uh, Black Cat manipulating what's his face to think that they have a baby together. I mean, come on, Bat Knight, you've got these in your playbook. Yeah, I know, but see, see, you didn't see me try to trigger you by bringing up Geralt and uh, Yen, or I mean, not Yen Triss. Tris, Geralt and Tris. No, I'm not a Tris mancer, so I wouldn't be triggered. I'm all fine with that. I've heard your opinion on that relationship. Geralt and Yen kind of suck together, too, though. He's got no good options. Shawnee. Shawnee, Shawnee, yes. I forgot. We decided he should be with Shawnee. Yeah, Yeah, she's great. Or alone. He could be alone. Geralt Uh, should be with Dandelion. We all know this. Yes. No, I actually, when when I was sitting here at the beginning of this episode trying... uh, trying to think of an answer like where's that line between sex you know that whole thing i i I wanted to contribute but my brain just kept going back to felicia hardy and i'm like i don't want to bring her up again (laughs) i have to have more people to talk about but and that's you know my kryptonite as far as that whole fictional thing goes i've discussed this on numerous occasions i i can't not be attracted to that woman but she's the definition of sexy but toxic 
I believe poison ivy is the actual literal definition of sexy and toxic. Aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> um, okay. I love that I forever have that to fall back on now. <laughs> yep. I can't wait for those episodes to start being released. Um, which I heard is going to be uh, in December. And if you don't know, December 1st about, is what I was told. Yeah. Uh, Bat Knight and I are on an Avengers audio drama that will be coming out uh, just here in a few weeks. Excited about it. But neither of us are Avengers. No. We get rescued by Avengers. <laughs> I threaten Hey, that's pretty Avengers. awesome. You threaten them? Mm hmm. I love it. Yeah, I just, I just do a sarcastic quip after everything's done. Sounds about on brand. Yeah. Did you even have to act? <laughs> oh, come on, Brian. I guess my final. Well, here's my final thought on this. Like, cause we we don't have to beat. Well, I don't want to like get Peta mad at me. I was gonna say don't have to beat this dead horse, but anyway, my final thought about this is like, I don't know what the answer is. I know what I know to feel right and not right. But it is art and it's good art because it's making us question these things and think about these things. Maybe not everyone. That that was really my thought is like, what is it fine if pop culture wise, a lot of people idealize these bad relationships? Like, what does that say about us as a culture? Like, is that is that something to be worried about? Are are they OK in their relationships? Like, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't think that there's a problem with them existing in art, in stories, because they exist in real life, too. And, and you know, a lot of times people, people sometimes get exposed to things only through some kind of art. Otherwise, they wouldn't know it exists. So I think it's important to have all sorts of things represented in art. But I also think it's really important for people to have the critical thinking and literacy to understand the stories being told, how they're being told, to recognize when, yes, this is the story being told, but you shouldn't like it. It shouldn't be a good thing sometimes, you know, like everyone going crazy about Rhaenyra and her uncle getting married and House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones spinoff show, prequel show. Gross. But people really like that. Or, or me as a twin, my sister and I. We had to grow up with people like loving twincest, like in especially in like um, hentai graphic novels, like manga and stuff. There was a lot of that in our high school that people really liked these twin romances. And obviously we both find it appalling. Cannot understand that at all. What? Like I can't date the both of you? That's, That's so barfy. <laughs> so barfy. Don't get it. But it exists. People like it. I don't know. At what point does it just become a kink or like something that sh is, I don't know, you know? It's, I don't have the answers to these questions. I just know how I feel about these things. I don't think that I have much to add to that, V. So I think this is a good spot for us to wrap up the show for tonight. Got anything that you guys want to shout out for tonight? Bat Night, I know you got some cool stuff going on. Um. Uh yeah okay i um still doing the twitch thing uh last i checked i was up to 72 followers so again slowly but surely we're climbing Woo. um 
I tend to stream Sunday night, Monday night, and Wednesday night. Currently, the games I'm playing, Sunday is still Spider-Man 2. Uh, Wednesday has been RoboCop Rogue City. And then Monday, I actually decided to do uh, my first Renegade playthrough on Mass Effect. I just started with the second one because, quite frankly, that's (laughs) – I want I want to romance Jack. That's the whole point of uh, to me about why I did this playthrough. So I started with the second game, um, and I'm going to. Yes, I'm playing Renegade, but I'm not going to do. I, I think you called it the Renafuck. Yep. I'm not doing that one. Uh, no, we're, we're, I'm going to have. I'm going to build my, my my ultimate power couple because I'm playing as a biotic too. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, Sundays, uh, Sundays, Mondays, and Wednesdays. This is the same spiel I give at the end of my streams. It's uh, I usually shoot for 9 p.m. Eastern time, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later, depending on when I can get my kids to bed. And, uh, you know, I tell everybody, anybody that follows me, I call them a fellow knight of the gaming table, and I wish everyone a great day and a night night. So, oh, and since you know, Jen mentioned it on the last uh, episode i'm also I, I think we've already talked about it on this episode but yes i'm part of that audio drama with her as well i get to get bossed around by jen <laughs> yep thank you and please make sure that you go follow daddy underscore bat night uh on twitch uh show him some love from the girls muffiny do you have anything going on things you want to shout out and plug um, I don't have anything to plug because all my social media is dedicated to my dog and how much I love him. But I just wanted to say I started my second playthrough on Baldur's Gate and I'm a gift Yankee Eldritch Knight and I'm romancing Lazel and I'm having a great time. And I'm actually, my first playthrough, I think these the same way, but we typically kind of play how we are as people. Like I kind of insert myself into the story, but this time I'm actually trying to like role play a character and my gift Yankee, I named her Kachava after the protein powder because I thought it was hilarious. But <laughs> I also am making her kind of mean, and it's really fun. I'm getting a completely different game, so it's very exciting. That's what I have going on in my life because <laughs> I have no children. <laughs> I love that. You have a dog, and he requires a lot of attention and care. He is so my he is special needs boy. <laughs> yeah. Also, so if you guys haven't played it as a gift, my sister sent me a Snapchat, like, you know the scene where Astarian's asking you to like describe how he looks because he can't see his reflection, and the gith response is like, oh, I don't know, an elf, white hair, five eleven. Like it's so like accurate and straightforward. It's so funny. I love. And he got I upset about it, and then I told him that Lazel's prettier, but he's all right, and he actually approved and thought it was funny. <laughs> love that. Oh. It was awesome. <laughs> I cannot wait until we start talking Baldur's Gate in 2024. Holy shit. (laughs) A couple weeks away now. I know, right? But we have amazing characters to wrap up the end of the show this year. Uh, Please stay tuned next week for our amazing chat about one Dorian Pavis. Can't wait. Can I bounce a quarter off of those things? <laughs> All right. <laughs> you shall see. If you like what you are hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or leave a comment on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can now find me on the Cyberpunk Lorecast with my co-host, Toasty. 
where we explore the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future for all things cyberpunk. And of course, in our Two Girls, One Ship channel on the Robots Radio Discord. And come give us a follow on all the social medias and on patreon.com slash twogirlsoneship. Our theme music was composed by the ever-talented Pipe Man Studios, and our artwork was designed by the esteemed Let's Not. Links are in the description. I'm also on the Robots Radio Discord and on our own Two Girls, One Ship Discord server, where we nerd out on all our favorite CGI significant others. Be sure to check out our live streams on Twitch on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. So thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller, which kind of proves my point about this whole episode. Are you a fan of Elden Ring? Are you confused about the lore as pretty much everyone else? We've got you covered. Check out the Elden Archives, a lore podcast that helps to explain every little confusing detail about the lands between. Things like what exactly happened on the Night of the Black Knives, or what we really know about characters like Mikola. Just like the show you're listening to now, we're on the Robots Radio Network, so you know it'll be good. Wondering how to find the show? Easy. Either go to robotsradio.net or search Elden Archives on whatever podcatcher you're using right now. Bookmark the show for later and we'll see you in the lands between. Again, that's the Elden Archives, a FromSoft Lorecast available everywhere.